You're listening to The Leaf Report with Canadian Press National Hockey writer Jonas Siegel and the Athletic TO's James Myrtle. Okay, James, it is March 21st. Wow. I don't usually say the date because then it dates the podcast. It's like so is it the first day of spring or is it tomorrow? I don't know. What does the groundhog say? That was a while ago, wasn't it? The groundhog? No, I mean, like, isn't the equinox on the 21st or 22nd of the oh, March, September, June? You're asking the wrong person. You don't know what when the equinox is? I'm just trying to keep track of James Comey and what he said. As well as the Leafs. Let's talk about the Leafs. Was that today? What did Comey say today? It was yesterday. Oh. Oh, did you miss I mean, all that? Yeah, I think oh, so. Oh, you should pay attention. FBI, right? Yeah, basically he acknowledged that they're investigating links between... Russia's interference in the election in the Trump campaign. Okay. And As they should. The, the craziest thing is they've been investigating it since July. Oh. And yet... And we didn't hear he, about it. We didn't hear about we it We heard about now. the emails. We heard about the emails. He was fine to acknowledge <laughs> that. But he, anyway, we probably shouldn't talk jo- politics. Jonas and I talk politics when we go for beers, but we don't on the podcast. So that that was our, our excerpt. This podcast is brought to you by Bab Socks. I'm wearing the blue Bab Socks today. The two guys, Jake and Tom from Bab Socks, have a great store on Mount Pleasant, um, Davisville. Mount Pleasant and Davisville. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. Uh, buy some socks. We have a deal at the Athletic where if you sign up for the, if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, you can subscribe to the Athletic and get a free pair of socks. That's it. Chris, our buddy Chris Johnson was wearing some bright green ones for St. Patty's Day at the game. Yeah. See, I didn't want to wear Bab Socks to the game because I thought that was. I thought that was breaking the, a barrier I didn't want to break. Like, you're, we're, we're covering the Leafs, and we have to be objective, and we are. Yeah. But we kind of I think we just like novelty socks. Like, I think sure. if it wasn't novelty socks, we wouldn't. Like, we wouldn't wear a big hat that said, go Babcock on it or something. It's like, yeah. it's like a Bab socks is something different than a Babcock, if that makes sense. But, like, if you were asking a question knowing you had <laughs> Bab socks on? Someone did that at the World Cup. Did you really? see? There was a guy. He was with, like, a site... So that I'd never heard of. It was called, like, the Hockey Guys or something like that. Like, some blogger they let into the World Cup that the league let in. And he was wearing, like, big hiking boots. And Bab Socks, like, pulled up to his knees or, like, pulled up really high. And he was sitting in the front row. And he asked a question of Babcock. And Babcock said, no, it sucks. <laughs> I can't, I can't impre- do the impression of him as well as you. Good sucks. Yeah. I, I like the socks. All right. Well, <laughs> since you mentioned Babcock, let's start with him. And actually, we're going to get to the Bab Socks, Babcock quote of the week and that's going to be generally about actually we can use it right now because it kind of actually right. touches on the topic uh i asked mike babcock so we're going to do two of these actually this week because we missed one last week so the first one we're going to talk about uh is i asked babcock why he ended up flipping zaitsev and marchenko and obviously marchenko is now out of the lineup this was Babcock's response. At first, he didn't actually want to answer the question, and then he did. Because uh, we thought it was time. Just a different look. That well, the puck was going in the net all the time. So we thought it was time. We probably waited too long. And I don't know if it's a better pair. Sometimes change is a good thing. Okay, so Mike Babcock basically explaining that he changed the defense because too many pucks were going in the net. He said he should have done it sooner. Do you think he should have done this sooner? Yes, and I think he should have changed the forwards sooner too. Um, we're we're still with the same lineup, but I mean they've had some games where they've exploded for offense. They've had you look at their their scoring is down a lot. 
uh, since the All-Star break. They're down to, I think, like 2.7-some goals per game. Uh, before the All-Star break, the first 50 games, it was 3.1 or 3.15 or something. So it's down more than 10%. They're scoring. I see some guys, like Hyman has, what, like five points in 24 games or something like that? Well, he's going to struggle when Matthews struggles. Right. Connor Brown does not have a lot of points. Komarov does not have a lot, have a lot of points. It's like almost like most of the lines... And, and uh, the impressive thing for me is that the Bozak, Marner, JVR line has been so good. All of those guys have been hurt. So, and for those guys to play so well when they've been hurt is. Uh, but I would, I would move, change the lines around. I mean, Josh Levo had nine points in ten games, and they took him out. And their they their offense has not been as strong as it has been in the past, which makes no sense to me. But that's not. You're, you're jumping ahead. Okay. First, the defense. Right. The right. defense. To, like, okay, so you and I have been talking about this a lot. Marchenko it, was not playing well. That's why he came out of the lineup. It doesn't well, be, have anything to do with anything well, else. Well, let's be honest. When you're claiming a guy off waivers from one of the worst teams in the league and then putting him in your top four, you the probably are The thing is, though, Jonas, he wasn't in the top four because he was playing like 11 minutes in the game. What was happening is that Ry- yes, that's Riley true. was... Okay, that's fair. Riley was... He's in the top four if you just write out the lines the way we do on Twitter fair, before the fine. game. But he wasn't, though, because he was... Okay, but let, let me he interrupt. Was like the most sheltered of the six D. It's a it's a problem when you have to take a guy like that and immediately start using him in the way that they did, regardless of how they were using him. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I guess. But when they, you have so much instability they, they, they on your defense, they super sheltered him, though. Yes, as they should. They put him with their best defenseman in super sheltered minutes. Yes, he was basically on the fourth pair or something because they had like six, fair, five or six pair. Anyway, I, I, I guess the point is like. When you have that much instability on the eve of the playoffs on your defense, not a great thing. Like, they don't have... I don't even think they have one good pair at this point. Like, Gardner Zaitsev, I don't know if that's worked. I don't... Gardner Carrick was good early in the year. That was a good pair for about 40 games. Zaitsev... In Florida, Zaitsev was interesting because he... He basically said to us he had lost his confidence. Like, he was just... He was really questioning... If, I don't know. He was asked. Uh, he asked one of the assistant coaches if he had had the worst game in NHL history or something because he was on the ice for five goals against. Like, yeah. I don't know. He seems he seems like such a confident guy, and then I don't know. He just seems shaken a little bit. But I guess the the point is like Babcock said, he should have done it sooner. I just don't know how many options he has. Like, there's not a lot really you can do besides flipping Zaitsev with whoever's playing with Gardner. There's not really anything you can no. do now. What he's done is he's used Polak in a lot of situations. So he's used Riley yeah. and Polak in defensive zone draws against better line combinations. And you wrote about this a little bit. Do you think he's... I think he's done a pretty good job of kind of making the best of a crappy situation. Um, but if he had done this sooner, what do you think he should have done? The thing that... One of the things that's really... Two things have hurt them. Carrick being out for 11 games hurt them a lot because I think Carrick's good enough to be a top four guy at even strength. And Marincin being terrible has hurt them as well. Those two things combined means that they lost two defensemen that were quasi-capable that could play. They were hoping that would play 18 to 20 minutes a night and one was hurt and one was just so bad he couldn't even use them. So... Mm-hmm. That means it pushes them even further down. What's been happening, you alluded to it a little bit, is that Polak has been playing big minutes. I don't know if they've... Well, he only played 17 and a half last night. I think they fixed these minutes now. Uh, I don't know if they were fixed. Oh. Oh, yeah, they do, They look kind of broken. Brian yeah. Boyle with five minutes. Yeah. Zach Hyman with eight. 
Right. So the clock was broken at the ACC for the game against Boston. Something I, I've covered over 500 NHL games. I've never seen this happen before. It broke all of the ice time, most of the possession stats, most of the data for the game last night. They the the Leafs PR staff basically came through the press box and said, "Don't use any of it." They said they said you can't use anything but the basics like goals and assists or whatever. And I said, "What about even strength on ice shot attempts?" It's a no Corsi game. I think I've actually buried the lead. Uh, and I think Mike Babcock has tried to do this a little bit when he's talked about the defense. What really big picture I think people should realize is happening right now is they have lightened the load for Morgan Riley. They yep. have basically yep. given the harder minutes now to Gardner and Zaitsev yep. and sheltered Riley a bit. I, and I guess that's justified. Did you? Did, I don't know if you saw my story last night. I wrote that. I did. They should. I think they should. The last few games are evidence that they should use Riley more as an offensive player than a defensive player. I think he's miscast kind of the way Dion Phaneuf was. Dion Phaneuf's a very good offensive player. You give him a lot of offensive zone starts, he's going to produce offense. Riley is so dynamic in the offensive zone. He's very, very good at generating shot attempts and chance scoring chances. Use him as a guy. And if you play him against second, third, and fourth lines, they're going to have a really hard time handling Riley. Like He's going to be like a fourth forward out there for them. So... The problem is they don't have anyone to take those tough minutes. Like, I mean, I think Gardner can do it. Most people don't think he can do it. I think he can do it to the extent that he's not going to hurt you way more than Riley. Mm-hmm. Like, like you have to weigh the, the benefits, right? Like, how much worse is Gardner at playing against good players than Riley? He's probably just as good, if not maybe a little better. He might be, yeah. Most I, people it, don't think that. but like, I, I know, because... The, the analytics... And we did this story at The Athletic. Uh, I think Dom uh, Lushchagin, I think I pronounced that right for once, he wrote a story uh, looking at just Gardner against the, in the tough minutes, just Gardner against Stars, mm-hmm. and he performed really well. And But there's this perception that he can't play against good players because he makes those kind of brain fart plays. Yeah. I don't know. It's, they're in a situation where they don't have a number one D, where they don't have a really, a really number, a number one pair. They don't... They, well, don't, they don't have good... Mike Babcock is the most... We have a, a story going up tomorrow by Tyler Dello looking at Riley. And he... I think... I, I haven't finished reading the piece. But essentially he's saying Morgan Riley has had the toughest matchups of any player in the NHL. Any defenseman in the NHL the last two years. But see, I don't think that's by accident. Like you say they should be using him more in this way. And maybe that's right. But I, I don't think it's an accident that no. they've been trying to use him this way. I think Mike Babcock has made it a point of saying, I want to make sure... I want to try to make turn the, him into I it. want to try to turn this guy into a good defensive player because I know the offensive stuff is going to be fine. And I don't I don't even know if he's going to be a high point offensive defenseman. Like I don't know if he's a 50 point guy. I think he could be. Maybe he's not well, he doesn't get power he doesn't get any power play time. He can maybe be 45 that points. But I certainly think he is better offensively than Gardner is. Better offensively. Gardner's had a pretty good offensive year. He's, sure, but I think I think as a creator of offense, I think Morgan Riley, it's more natural yeah. to Although, him. you know, it's interesting. If you look at the power play minutes in the last three, four years, and you do it by rate, mm-hmm. that Gardner's ahead of Riley. That That's Gardner has created better on the power. I know it surprised me a lot because Riley looks more dynamic on offense. So, And Gardner, the, the least power play has been first or second in the league most of this year with Gardner out there on the top unit. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's... A, it, and it's not like, and I'm sure if you got Babcock to talk about this honestly, he would tell you it's not ideal to have to play around this much every game just to try to get the right matchups. Well, it's hard on the players because they're out there with different players all the time. Like they've been, Riley's had three different partners in some games recently. Mm-hmm. 
He's, he's played with Polak half the game, Marchenko a quarter of the game, and Hunwick the other quarter of the game. Like, that's that's tough to do. And that's going to mean he's probably playing the right side on some of those shifts, right? Like, when he's with Hunwick, he's probably, yeah, he would be playing on the right. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Well, so what do we think, like, Zaitsev is? Like, is he a five? He might be, yeah. I think he's less, and he's playing 22 minutes a night. I think like, he's leading the team, unless that's changed yeah, in the last Yeah, but that's days. because Riley got hurt in the Buffalo game and played only five minutes, and then that brought his ice time. But he's close, right? Like, I think Riley's averaging 22.5 if you take out that Buffalo game, and Zaitsev's averaging hmm. just over 22. So the interesting thing with Zaitsev is they got to re-sign him. He has a case to ask for a lot of money. That's going to be really, really interesting. They have to be careful. and Well, because he has a lot of points, and points is like something yeah. that... What's he going to end up with, 35? Yeah, something like that. He's one of the highest scoring rookie D, obviously. There's not I a think he's going to ask for like four and a half, which is crazy. I think what you have to do with him is try and get him to agree to a short-term deal. The problem is, is that he's got Moscow willing to offer him big money. So I think he likes playing in Toronto. I think he wants to stay. But if he's only a five, how much can you pay him? You can't pay him that. Like if you can, I would try and give him... I don't know if he's arbitration eligible because he's only played one NHL season. Maybe because of his age he is. I'm not sure. I'm going to leave side play hardball. And, well, and then again, if you go to Arba, I don't know what he's going to so get. So what's the max you would do in terms of years and dollars? Three by 3.8. Too yeah. much? That's what I think that might be what you have to do. Three but I would ideally, I would do like two years and three and a half or 3.2. Or, Me too. They might lose him. Like they, they might lose him. Well, you can't overpay, right? Yeah. How much can you pay a guy that might only be a five? The thing is, if you lose him, then all of a sudden you got to replace another D. One. Well, like let's assume you're gonna. Well, let, maybe let me he's ask a you four this. or five. Do you think they're gonna bring back one of Polak or Hunwick? I bet something that one of them's coming back. Like uh, Mike Babcock will. Want. I heard they were thinking about it. Yeah, I would bet they. I would heard be. they were thinking about bringing one of those guys back. Yeah, the coach has a big influence. The coach likes those two players. I haven't dug into the numbers, but. To me, Hunwick and Polak have played a lot better the last yeah. 15 games than sure. early in the year. I don't... They haven't been... It, early in the year, they were last on the team in possession, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Two or three times uh, every four games or whatever. Lately, it doesn't seem like that's been the case. I don't know what... I, I meant to... I haven't had a chance to talk to them yet. I want to talk to them about what what's changed. I haven't talked to them about it. But that's that's positive for them. But so let's pencil let's pencil one of them back in. So that means you have Gardner, Riley, Carrick, one of those two guys, and then basically you need two more, and you need a top four. That's yeah. that's clear. Yeah. Let's assume it's not Shattenkirk. There's not really anyone else in free agency. You have to make a trade. You're gonna have to make a trade. We've talked about this before. Bozak and JVR as trade pieces, and probably Komarov too, makes sense. Can you get anything for – is there some team that needs two left wingers? But then I don't know who's going to play left wing for the Leafs. Like, they're, they're not, it's not strong at left wing. So you can't really trade Komarov and JVR. And how much are you going to even get for those guys anyway on D? It's going to be difficult. Let's move on to our next topic. Matthews. Yeah. Austin Matthews. I don't know what was wrong with him. Okay, so he scored Saturday 32 on the air. As we say this right now, this is before uh, he had the Columbus game. In, in how many games? 31 and 60 games, and now he's got 32 and 71. 
But but like you pointed out, like in and I think you wrote this. He's still on pace for like thirty-seven and sixty-five. Yeah, it's just sometimes easy in in the, the course of a season to get too deep. Yeah, and say like during a seven-game point streak, something's wrong, and and he wasn't good. Like no. he was wasn't noticeable. That's the worst he's chances. been all year. Yeah, that's the least effective he's been all year. That. And that includes a thirteen-game drought. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he looked great in that thirteen-game drought. Sure. He was he was a monster. But so, what do we think that is? Like, I have to assume there has to be fatigue. He's never yeah. ever done this. I think he's either hurt. He had a comment in Tampa about how nobody's one hundred percent right now. Everybody's playing through something. It's a mental grind to, and no one went with it or did anything with it. But it kind of seemed like he was saying we're all banged up right now. I think he's a little bit banged up, which makes sense because mm-hmm. he takes a lot of abuse because he has the puck so much. Um, I think he's a little bit banged up. I think he's tired. He has never played nearly this many games before. Uh, Switzerland, would he play 45 games? No, he was hurt. He probably he played less than that. I mean, Well, and they don't play that many games. They don't play that many. And they're only on the bus. And he's never done travel like this before in his hockey playing. He's never done the travel like this before in his entire life. Ne- has he ever been part of, aside from last year in Switzerland, has he ever been part of this kind of team? No. No, right. Well, I mean, he played like midget in arizona with the bobcats and they had to travel a lot but like they they would like fly to denver and play four games or whatever like it wasn't he's flown around a lot because he had to to play he was going to like all these weird skating camps with 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 boris his his skating coach and stuff like that but no he's never been you think about his year with the world cup at the beginning too and they say yeah i've heard this from a lot of agents and teams that that your draft year is really hard because you basically have all this crap that you're doing right into July. Like mm-hmm. you have you have a rookie camp, and they really don't have a lot of downtime that year. They well, really only have like six weeks off. Well, let's go back. Let's think about it. So drafts late drafts June. in June. The whole month. When's the the combine? The combine's early June, or before that. I'm trying to remember. Whenever the combine, the combine's sometime in the spring. So then you go from the combine. It's like a whatever the he time. He played at the worlds too. So. World Combine Draft, a little bit of time off, start getting ready for training camp, World Cup, training he had, camp. He played at a rookie camp too, didn't he, in the summer? Yeah. In, what's that, July? Yeah. Late July? So 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 then training camp, re- World Cup, he regular season. He had like three season. weeks off. So like that's a lot of, you know what. Yeah. So what coaches and, and agents and people tell me is that it's really hard for players in their for their draft year to strength train because they don't have time to like really dig in with a trainer and put in all that time. Huh. So guys like Line A and Matthews just haven't had. Mark Crawford said this about Matthews that he needs to build his body up a little bit. I mean he's he's huge, but uh, Crawford thinks he could be even stronger. I think he's two fifteen or something. Crawford said he can play at like two twenty five. Like he can just be like a complete monster, and he's not that strong in the gym yet. Like he just hasn't had. Other than at the U.S. National Development Team, like in Switzerland, the the weight training is not the way it is in the NHL. Well, so. he certainly doesn't look like super cut. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, he, and that's not a criticism. No, of him. it's just, just he's, he's young, right? Yeah, but I think what's what's interesting is like you look at. By the way, in, indicative of how the the shot clock didn't work. Uh, apparently, Matthews played under nine minutes less wow. on Tuesday night, but he, Monday night he's really struggling. Then. So that's but that's wrong. But <laughs> he, I think what's interesting benched. is when you look at like. Uh, the little stretch. He had one shot in two games. 
two shots three times and then three shots in the game against Chicago. He was completely invisible for long stretches of time. I was I've been at every single game recently going back to the beginning of the California trip. So yeah. I've been to the last whatever that is, 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9. I've been to 10 games in a row, which is I haven't done that in a long time. I would say half of those games he was not noticeable at all. That Carolina game was I would say his worst game of the season. He's had a bunch of games he had, a, he had a run there of seven or eight games where his line was under 45, yeah. 45% possession. Like even That like, actually should have been kind of the prelude to the... Like, we should have known when that started happening that they were slowing. Yeah. Because I, he was putting up points before then. I talked to Hyman about it. Like, it looks to me like Hyman is... You Maybe you can weigh in on this. Is Hyman struggling more than he was early in the year? Or has he always been like this? Like, he seems to be having a really hard time with the puck right now. Yeah, and he's less noticeable. Like, what he's really good at doing is getting on the forecheck and, like, picking pucks free and finding Matthews. Like, he did that... Uh, in the Chicago game a couple times where he found yes. pucks behind the net and found Matthews. But then in the Boston game, he's getting in on the forecheck and he's not getting the puck back or he's getting yeah. it and then he's not making the right pass or the right play. Again, or... first NHL season. Like, maybe yeah. there's something to this too. Yeah. But like that gets he's coming right out of com- college too where they hardly play any games. When they play like half. Yeah. But that gets into the conversation like about... Zaitsev's tired too. I know that. I'm, they're probably all. Yeah. Like who should be with Matthews? And I don't know... Well, why not try Levo there instead of Hyman? Levo's had really good possession numbers. Well, because we know Mike Babcock likes to have that guy, and he he's talked about this a lot, and he goes back to Detroit. He says, like, he's talked to Zetterberg and Datsuk, and they like that one guy who's going to go get them the puck. Can Levo do that? I mean, he's not a very fast. I don't know that he can. Yeah, so, so maybe that, that line guy? doesn't have the puck enough. Maybe Komarov. But, like, he likes Komarov and Kadri. So does I don't Komarov know. get the puck, or does he just go in there late and hit the guy? Well, then who does it? And who's the guy? That's, their left wing's really not that strong. Some people online are saying they should try JVR with Matthews. Like, maybe if you sheltered that line, that line would just destroy people. Yeah, I'm not sure. The problem but JVR's with J- not going to get the puck either. And he's a shooter. Like, and that's yeah. and that's one of the interesting things with Matthews is you, you have to not think of him in, like, the conventional way you do a center. Right. He's a shoot-first center. Yeah. Like Him and Nylander work well together. No? Yes and no. Like, they, they're very good. That's actually one thing with, with Nylander when he plays with Matthews. Hyman doesn't see the puck nearly as much because they well, just play off one another. You don't need him to. You don't want him to see the puck. Right. I just, So I talked to Hyman about it, and I said it seems like you're fighting the puck more than usual, and he didn't really agree. I don't know if he's been asked that by a whole bunch of people or whatever, but it seems like he hasn't been as good. Like, it's not just Matthews that has been... That whole no, line has not sure. been... But the weird thing is that Nealander's been their top-scoring player at least... For a while. Yeah, going back to... The All-Star break, he's been their highest-scoring player, at least the last I looked. Well, and, like, I, I mentioned to you, like, it's sort of sneaky, but, like, he has a chance at, like, surpassing Matthews and Marner. I don't think it's yeah. going to happen because he's playing with Matthews. Did you see that? But, uh, I, I think I tweeted it out late last night. There was um, a really good hockey reference screen cap that Jeff Fayette posted, and it was um, active players in their rookie season – uh, points per game and it highlighted the three reliefs and they were all in the top 20 for active players in the nhl so like hmm. the best nylander nylander's rookie season was on par with yagers <laughs> is where he was and like there were a bunch of guys ahead of of matthews and marner like like crosby had 102 points and whatever and stuff like that i think it was guys that were 21 or younger as a rookie and points per game they're active in the league but the fact that all three of them in the same season were all uh, in the top 20 is pretty amazing. 
Yeah. Well, and, and he's been he's been pretty good for a while now. He's obviously really good on the power play. And I haven't seen him make a lot of defensive mistakes that I was seeing earlier in the year. Well, they shelter that line more. And actually, that, that kind of brings us to what I wanted to talk to you about next. Uh, recording this on a Tuesday, and I wrote about a bit about Brian Boyle and kind of the effect that he's had on their fourth line. Basically, puck possession has jumped big time. The line is better. The line is being used more. But I think what's most interesting, and it's happened only occasionally, but more recently, is Babcock has started to use that line against tougher competition, which has freed up Matthews. They played against Taves. And they played against Kucherov for a bit, too. Right. That's that, especially if Matthews is struggling, it makes all the more sense to kind of try to get him easier competition. It's the same thing they're doing with Riley. Like, give Riley more offensive minutes. We didn't finish the thought on Riley, I think. Like, you were saying that's that's um, that's a thought process where they're trying to get Riley to be better defensively. Which, like last year, go go right in. Fill your boots, as, as my dad would say. Fill your boots. Like, try and make Riley a better defensive player. But when you're down to the last 12, 13 games a year and you're trying to make the playoffs to give these guys experience, yeah. do you still need to be teaching Riley a lesson on how to get better defensively? That he's clearly... He's playing through a high ankle sprain, and I could see in Florida his ankle was really heavily taped up, which, I mean, I know that's what happens when you have a high ankle sprain, but it's still bothering him. It's still a problem. What lesson are you teaching him by putting him with Zaitsev against the best players in the world and they're minus 20 over 20 games? Yeah. I mean, so when you're down to the nitty-gritty to the last 12, 13 games, maybe you just those those younger guys like Riley and Matthews that you've been trying to teach all year, maybe you move away from that and you just focus on trying to win the game. And the yep. way to do that is get them into easier minutes and they can really take advantage of that. Instead of like with Matthews struggling and Riley struggling, you're not going to win the game. Get them out of that. Well, and the other thing is Gardner was struggling too. Like Gardner yeah. hadn't played well for a while. Right. And I don't know if that's because of who he was playing with or what. It just makes you think about like what they're going to look like next year. Like they really need a lot different. They really need. They almost need. Well, I guess if you put Gardner with Carrick, you really need that. Yeah. Right shot defenseman. Yeah, they need a Justin Falk from Carolina. No, I don't know if he fills the need. Like they need someone who can go against. He's good. He's good. He's a top pair. Yeah. I don't know who's it going to be. If you could get anybody that's not like, I don't know why Carolina would trade him. Like he just he signed because they feel like Pesci and Slavin and. It, it sounds like they're going to trade Hannafin, maybe, but I don't know I, how I good. Would, I think that's an interesting choice. He's really young. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think like Carolina needs to do something because they're last in the league in attendance, and there's a lot of problems there, and they need to try and make a move. They're in the opposite situation of the Leafs where they need to trade a defenseman and get better up front. They need someone to play with Aho. I don't know who that is. I don't know if there's a good fit with the Leafs because Carolina's a really smart analytics team and they're not going to... They they don't want JVR or Bozak. So I don't know who the Leafs would have to trade to get a really good defenseman from them. A first-round pick? I don't know. Would the Leafs trade their first-round pick if they make the playoffs? I mean, it's... I think you'd look at it. If you can get, I mean, at some you point, get what you need. At some point, like your asset pool can only hold so much, right? Like, you can only have so many prospects. Speaking of that, though, you look at the Marlies, like, how big is their asset pool? I think it's well, not. Well, it's true. Most of their asset pool is playing it's in the, the NHL. NHL. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Unless they got some junior guys coming that, like, how good's Bracco going to be? Or Who knows? A lot of fans talk about that Brooks kid. Adam Brooks? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to call him Alex. but yeah. It's okay. I got you. 
But going back to you've diverted us from I do that Brian Boyle. Um, I like the what have you noticed played. about Boyle? Uh, he's very calm. He's not phased by anything that's happening. Um, he's probably twice the player that Ben Smith is, which is what's helped that line. I know he hasn't won a lot of faceoffs. I know they've had some tough possession games, like against the minutes against Taves. Obviously, weren't very good possession minutes, but but he was sorry. getting all D zone draws. Well, and, when you look at that, the Taves line didn't get that many attempts, right? So it's more about. The boil line's more about not much happening out there. That's what it is. That's what they Those want. Those guys take up a lot of space, is what I noticed with Boyle. Like, you, like just visually, I mean, obviously he's a big guy, but like he's good at blocking shots. He's good at being in the lanes all the time. He's good at just being in the way. He's super strong. He can handle the toughest, def, you know, forwards in the league. In you got him down low around the net. I like Boyle. I like giving up... It, a second round pick for him because I think that the fourth line being better might be the difference between them getting another point or two and making the playoffs or not. Like, I think it's going to come down to the last two or three games of the year, whether or not the Leafs make the playoffs. And that's going to be our last topic when, whenever we get to it. Um, and just having a guy and they use him to close out games all the time. I think he's been good. I like, I like, I like his presence in the dressing room. I like, I like what he, what he's brought. Yeah. And I, I think what struck me and talking to him and this has come up before for me you don't realize how hard like a mid-season trade is for oh older guys especially man it was really hard on him in california not only was he exhausted he was very emotional in when he arrived at san jose so he had a like a 5 30 a.m flight from tampa to san jose and then he had to play that night oh god so i talked to him after the game like one like he i don't know it, he looked like he was gonna break down or something like he was really exhausted mentally and Physically, he loved playing in Tampa. His wife is like eight and a half months pregnant. And Seven. It, yeah. Whatever. Early May or whatever, there's a baby. And that's going to be his second kid. And he was just really well set in Tampa. He loved playing for that team. You hear, I've talked to him a couple times about the Lightning. He has so much respect for Iserman and everything there. Like he, he really kind of uh, wore the Lightning logo on his, mm-hmm. on his sleeve or his heart or whatever. And uh, it was hard on him. It was really hard on him. It's been hard on his family, and um, I think that that fatigue is affecting him a little bit. Yeah, well, and one of the things is, like, his wife, and he has a one-year-old son, and they've come to Toronto, and then they're going back, and now they're not going to be able to travel because she's pregnant. So it's just like there are other complicating factors that make it hard. Like, just put, put anybody who's listening to this in their own job. Imagine if, like, suddenly tomorrow you had to go and work in a completely different city. You had to figure yeah. out, like, how you're going to see your family, your girlfriend, wife, whoever. It's hard. Like, it I, just it just has an effect. I went through it with my son. Like, when he was born, I didn't think it was going to... It was like dropping an atomic bomb on your... Like, my son was born in the beginning of February in the middle of the season. And I had to leave and go to cover Sloan, like, a week after he was born. And I was just, like, a disaster. Like, it's... Right. It, but it's 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 hard. But it is interesting, like how much more trust Babcock has in the line with him on it, which makes sense. I still think that the line could be better if they use Levo, but that's not going to happen. I think Sashnikov's played pretty well. I'm not talking about. Oh Sashnikov. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know. I, I've pretty much given up on that. No, but yeah, t- that would be a really good line. It yeah. would be better. Like they'd have a little bit potential about, more. For I offense. like the idea of like if you had if you're looking for Hyman. Uh, yeah, I would put sure Hyman, Hyman Boyle Sashnikov. Man, that would be a great defensive line well and if you're, you're looking at good players yes if you're looking ahead to next year that would be a 
pretty good for like, them. Like, I like the way Hyman plays on the penalty kill. He's always on the puck. He Very just dumps it down. Play. Like, he, you know, it's not about how good your hands are on the penalty kill. So, like, when I play beer league, I like the penalty kill because I can get in the way. And <laughs> Actually, that's one of the and... more interesting things that's not one of the more interesting, but a slightly interesting thing that's happened is Soshnikov is killing penalties more and is very good at it. Yeah, I, he's he's a good skater. Yeah. He's a really good skater. He's really he's aggressive on the puck. I, I like the way Soshnikov plays. I know some people were down on him. I mean, maybe he's not a great... I know he doesn't have a lot of points lately, but as a fourth-line guy and a penalty killer, he's. I like the way he plays. So I, I'm guessing you think if they can re-sign Boyle, you, you do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to pay... a short deal? I don't want to... Yeah, I would give him two years at like... I don't know, two and a half million a year or something, which I know sure. is a lot for a fourth-line guy, but he's more than a fourth-line guy because he plays 11, 12 minutes. Tampa, he was playing almost four, 13 and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Look at the offense he produced in Tampa. He was on pace for 33 points or something this season. I think there's more there, especially if you give him more on his wing than Martin, which I don't know if maybe sure. they will at some point. Actually, that was one of the things that Martin brought up to me, like that he had 20-some-odd points for a fourth-liner. He said that's pretty good, and it is. Yeah. So, I like uh, you wouldn't bring back Boyle. I mean, they no, already gave up sure. the pick. So the thing is that if they don't bring back Boyle, they have to find someone who can fill that spot and be a good fourth line center. And there's not anything available in free agency. Well, and you've seen what the the problem it can pose if you don't bring back someone, or if you don't have someone who's effective in that role. Yeah, and I think you and I would both agree Ben Smith's not that guy. And I don't know about you, but I do not think Frederick Goche is that guy. No, either, so. I don't. I don't think Goche is going to be an NHL player. And I know he's young and whatever, but he's not. He hasn't been. You have to be dominant in the AHL when you're 21 if you're going to be a good NHL player. You have to be. Right. Um, I was going to say something on the other thing too is you have to look at what's happening at center ice on this team. I think they're probably going to move Bozak, which means then your centers are going to be Matthews. Mm-hmm. Kadri Nylander, you're going to have to shelter Nylander, so you can't shelter your fourth line. So you need someone on the fourth line that you can trust. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to find that guy. Yeah. So if Boyle costs you 2.8 or whatever, give him a raise and make mm-hmm. it a short-term deal. And Maybe bring back Dominic Moore. There's a lot of talk that, just like behind the scenes, that Boyle might want to go back to Tampa. So that's going to be the problem. Young family, he likes playing there. Uh, that'd be an Who Iser- wouldn't, right? That'd be an Iserman move, right? Like, you get the second-round pick, and then you just bring him back again. So you got a second-round pick just to not have him for 20 games. And it would make sense, right? For Tampa. Yeah. They're going to try and reload and go for it again. But the prob- they're going to have cap problems, so the Leafs are probably going to be able to outbid them for Boyle, if that's what matters to him. What Nick, you- I'm just looking up, like, and I don't want to do you're this, because sometimes we get into this. You're trying to find a center? Yeah, There's like, I'm much. looking... Nick- Brooks like, there you go. Nick Benino. Eh. Too much? As a fourth line center, yeah, he's not going to want to do that. Anyway, I like the idea of, of getting Hansel, but then he's going to be more than he's going to be too expensive. Then, then, then you're talking about him being your third center. And, yeah, they don't need him. Well, they need someone who can take tough minutes. That's not Kadri. They need they need more than one center that can do it. I mean, Matthews is going to get there. Okay, next topic. Um, the podcast is brought to you by Bab Socks. So we're going to get to our second Bab Socks Babcock quote of the week we have two yeah this one's on morgan riley who okay. we talked about a little bit before but here's mike babcock on morgan riley well i don't i don't know there's ups and downs just brew tells me that the twitter world tells me there's ups and downs like, I, I don't live in that world like i'm not you guys look correct so but if i was him what i'd do is i wouldn't live in that world it's up to him if it's going really good grab the newspaper every day and look at the standings <laughs> 
when it's not going good, you're going to beat yourself up as anybody who really likes their profession and really good at their profession and is driven is going to beat themselves up enough on their own without getting people that don't really know to help. Okay, so Mike Babcock noting what's kind of taking place online. It's funny like that that one of the assistant coaches, Andrew Brewer, yeah. kind of gives him the heads up. I just wonder how that conversation goes. Like, Does, does Babcock like ask him, what are the folks on Twitter saying about uh No, you kids? know what? I'm sure Brewer goes, oh, look at it. now they're saying blah, blah, blah. Oh, everyone's going crazy because okay, so Polak me, played 24 minutes, Mike. And Do you think the – and this could be a stupid question, but do you think the treatment of Riley's season and Riley's struggles has been fair? It's weird because I remember I think I was saying on the podcast – after like 40 games that no one criticized Riley ever. And then all yes. of a sudden it was like... Well, and then it, it almost seemed like it was almost over the top. Yeah. Well, especially because he's playing through the injury. Yeah. And the thing too, Riley's... Well, well you mentioned 23. This, I mean, it's not like he's... I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast, but you mentioned that he kind of does like... It, 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 he notices it, I guess. Yeah. And I guess that's that's part of what goes on for young players now. I asked now, him about was, it, and yeah. he said that he reads... he. He didn't. It sounded like he he reads some of the stuff. Like he says, he try not to, but it gets to you. And what Babcock was saying with Twitter, and he's like, I don't live in that world, but he's alluded to it a couple of times that he thinks it's getting to the players. And the one player he thinks it's getting to is is Riley. He said he thinks basically what Babcock said is the coaching staff likes you, your parents like you. Don't worry what anyone else thinks. That means everybody else. That means social media. That means mm-hmm. you know that. So, but that's the thing. Like these, a lot, and like they're younger than me. And I came up when I was like the same age as a lot of the players. They're a lot younger than me now, and they come up like living in social media, like yeah. everything in their life, and like even that that whole fishing trip stuff. <laughs> like that's just like one element of like being a player today. Like you that post was, your life on social media. Yeah, and I think too for them, they play junior. They're one of the best players in the league and on their team. A lot of the feedback they get on social media is very very positive for a long time. And the thing that we, you and I have found this in our jobs too with social media is like you move along in your career and you get a little bit more high profile and you get more followers and then they start like the negative well, you know stuff that. builds. Well, you, you don't read your mentions anymore because obviously for probably because you got so much crap that you're like, I'm not dealing with I this. just don't see the use. Well, it's like you take a lot of abuse on there. I take a ton of abuse on I'm there. sure. Like I got some guy yelling at me on Twitter today about like, why do you have a paywall? And it's like, well, that's like... <laughs> It's the nature of the site. It's like, why does the grocery store charge money for food? Yeah, yeah. I should get you to talk to this guy for me. But it's like you just... And he's being really belligerent about it. And I'm just going to mute him or block him at some point. But like to have to every day... I love the the good that you get out of Twitter, like the conversations you have with people, and I'm sure guys like Riley, like you know, a lot of people, probably probably eighty percent of what he gets is probably good, right? Yeah. But then you get like the twenty percent bad, and it's I don't know. Anyway, especially in Toronto, yeah. Like there's just more fans. Like that's yeah. going to be the thing. Yeah, which is can be good and can be bad. Yeah, I think it's fair to criticize him. Yeah, I just think it it can go. I think what it's the same thing that happened with Kadri, and we talked about this before. It's that when the expectation becomes something and then you just don't meet that expectation, whether because it might not be fair, people judge you on it. You well, I mean? and the thing, too, that happens is that there, it becomes this loop where it becomes a story and then, like, yeah. TV's there and then one station does it and then another station does it and then another newspaper does it. And it's mm-hmm. like, this happened with Matthews. It's like, all of a sudden, it had been, like, eight days and he's getting asked the same thing over and over again. 
I don't know. I think I feel like I think human nature is that that bothers you at some point. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to our last topic of the day, uh, and I think this will be something we'll keep talking about probably every week. Is where do you think that their playoff chances stand at this point? Yeah. I think they're better than they've been in a long time. I think I'm pushing up. I think before I was like 40, between 40 and 50, and now I'll probably say 50 and 60. Yeah. Somewhere in that That's range. Fair. I mean, they're, they're, they've got a little distance between them and the Islanders and them and Tampa. Yep. Um, and that's who they need to beat to make the playoffs. Like, they don't... There's lots of talk lately about Boston and whatever, but... To me, it's going to be all about one guy, and it's going to be all about Anderson. Yeah. Like, if Anderson good. doesn't play... He's been excellent in, in March, but if he does not play well, they have... And, then, like, this is going to be for any team trying to make the playoffs, but he is the wild card because yeah. I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting on Overdrive. They were talking about uh, over-under starts for McElhaney down the stretch. 11 games left. They got a couple back-to-backs. I bet he gets one. Yeah. This back-to-back this week, and I bet he doesn't Where play do you him. play him? Columbus or against Jersey? Jersey. Yeah. You Like, you need to try to... Your best chance to win, I know, is not... I know most people say your best chance to win is against New Jersey, but I think your best chance to win is when you're fresher. Yeah. So you try to get the win in Columbus. Yeah. Columbus then, has not been that playing that great. No, right? they haven't. They've, no. they've been sliding a so bit. So you try to get the win in Columbus, and then what will be interesting is if they didn't get the win in Columbus, does he change his plan? Yeah. Yeah, so 11 games left. and Yeah, I no, I, Anderson's the most important player on the whole team, for By sure. By far. Because they've got so much depth on offense, and because they've kind of just cobbled it together in defense so long that it's just... I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I don't know what we're going to get from Anderson because we've seen he's, everything. We, he's just been really up and down. He's either been fantastic or he's been bad. Yeah. And I don't think it's just natural variation in goalies either. Like, well, that's what Not people this say. much. Yeah. Not this that's much. That's what people say is like, oh, well, goalies are like that. They're, they're all up and down. It's like, yeah, but not like... And it really seems... With Anderson, it really. Um, I'm trying to think. Sometimes goalies like have a bad game, but they say, "You know what? I played okay," and it just mm-hmm. like I got unlucky or whatever. When Anderson has one of those bad stretches, he knows that he's doing things wrong. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, he he really feels um, that he didn't play well, that he wasn't in the right position, that he wasn't, and it, it's almost for him. It seems like there's like a bit of a mental battle that he is fighting sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure some of that's fatigue. Yeah, some of that's. But when grind, he's dialed like, in, like, he's got a very kind of, I don't know if this is the right word. You've talked to him more than I have. He's got, like, kind of like a flat personality or, yeah. like, he's very even keel. Yeah. I thought it was interesting when the, they played the Ducks and Andrew Coliano is one of his really good friends. And he talked a lot about Anderson and their friendship and mm-hmm. how, how he just really likes his personality as he's just, like, so even keeled and just, like, so laid back. Yeah, what's interesting is, like, and, and I can kind of give some insight for people who don't get to go in the room every day, but, like... So goaltenders usually come off the ice and, and they kind of do their own little thing. And what Anderson will do is he'll come off the ice and he'll just sit in his stall and he won't take his gear off. He'll just literally just sit there and just think and kind of just think and just scope out. And it for, for media, it's awesome because he's just sitting there and he's, he's fine to talk. You mean like after a morning skate? Yep. Yeah. And just sits and just kind of takes his time, is easygoing. And some media like don't even talk on game days. Some media don't want to be goalies. bothered. Some goalies. Yeah. Media always talk on game days. Right. But actually, like, I wanted to bring up, like, just the, the up and down nature. Like, I, I always bring it back to, because I'm trying to compare the two, is like Cam Talbot playing a ton for yeah. Edmonton, 
Look, these are his splits this season. 936, 902, 924, 923, 918, 939. He's had a great year. So that's like very consistent. He's, and with Anderson, it's, it's been like 940, and then it's been like 895, and then yeah. it's been 889. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's not well, been steady. One of our stats guys broke it down and said that Anderson's more streaky than most starting goalies in the NHL, yeah, right. which like not like looking at his whole career. So if he has a real down streak here, it's going to be a problem. Well, and he's going to be... Whether he plays ten or nine or whatever, he's going to be right near seventy starts. Yeah, that's... which is more than they wanted to play him. Like yeah. Babcock said at the beginning of the year that ideally the backup would play twenty. What game? McIlhenny came in against Florida and he was god awful. He was really yeah. bad. Or maybe Babcock said eighteen. Like he basically said the backup's just supposed to start the second half of back to backs. What about put McIlhenny in against Columbus and say here's your chance to go against your former team? And I don't think Babcock does that thing. Yeah, he's not like the sentimental. I'm just throwing it out there, sure. like, as like. But you've made this point, and I think this is where actually we've kind of diverted a little bit. <laughs> but you've made the point that they need to go out and get a, like a good backup. Yeah, like who can play? Yeah, it's the same thing as a fourth line center. It's like, oh, you can be like, oh, it's just a fourth line center. But if you don't have one, it's a big hole. And like a backup, they should preserve Anderson a little bit more than they have. They should right. get a backup that can play 25 to 30 games. Well, but you've advocated to me like that they should get like a younger backup. Yeah, well, get a guy that can push Anderson a little bit. I like I like someone like Scott Darling or someone that they can get for like $1.82 million that has a potential to play 25 games. So you wouldn't be for them going for like a more veteran type, like a Chad well, Johnson? Well, if, if they have to, then yeah. Yeah, Chad Johnson would be fine. Anders yeah. Nielsen's had a good year in Buffalo. Oh, I How see. about bring I back JB? I, I don't really like, no. I don't like Anders Nielsen. He's had a lot of bad years. Chad Johnson would be fine. That would be I would be fine with that. What is he making this year? 1.7. So, so that's fine. If you can get someone like that, then yeah. Okay. So where do you where do you think their playoff odds are at? Are you I was going to say 60-ish percent. Yeah, I'm starting to think about looking at hotels and other so, cities and stuff like that. Who do you think their biggest threat is? In Tampa? terms of to miss? Yeah, Tampa or the Islanders? I think Tampa, yeah. The Islanders have already had their run. and I mean, I know Tampa's had their run. The problem with Tampa is that they not only did they trade away Bishop and Philpula and Boyle, someone else I'm probably forgetting, um, but they've got those injuries. Like, I don't know, like, is Tyler Johnson and Nemesnikov and those guys going to be able to play? Right. Stamkos? Yeah. So, without all... Like, their lineup against the Leafs, where the Leafs beat them 5 nothing, was AHL-like. Okay, but let me go over their schedule. So, they play Arizona. They play the Red Wings twice. Chicago and Boston. So, that's tough. They play Dallas. They play the Leafs. And Two they play Buffalo. Montreal. It's not bad. Boston. That's not no. a bad schedule. And it's, it looks like it's a little bit more... Spaced out a little bit. A little... Well, actually, that's... What's that? One, two, three, four, five, six games in ten days? Nine days. Yep. So they have six and nine, the same as the Leafs do at the end of the year. It's This whole thing is coming down to the last two games of the year for the Leafs and for Tampa and for all these teams. I think the Leafs are... Like, I'm leaning 60-65% just because... They've gone five one and one. Like before that, I was like, "Whoa, they're down to like thirty five, forty percent." But they, this five one and one run is really, it, it's been big. If they played Boston in the first, or I guess they wouldn't play Boston. No, they, they won't play, play Ottawa. Boston. But it'll be Washington, Pittsburgh, Columbus if they get the second wild card. What if they catch Boston? What do you put their odds at at beating 
Ottawa. I think they're better than Ottawa. And I've been saying that for a couple months. In the sen- I've had to block so many Senators fans that like they just lose their mind. I think they're a better team than Ottawa. And they, their they Anderson do. has been very good. Yeah. And they have Carlson, which the Leafs don't have. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot of holes in their lineup. Yeah. They're a very defensive team. I feel like the Leafs Extremely could break open defensive. that series a little bit. Sure. They're just a much more dynamic team. Yeah. I don't hate Ottawa's team. I just think they're very average. Yeah. I, I, at, at worst, the Leafs are 50-50 to beat them in a series, in my opinion. So so if you... What did you say their chances of making the playoffs were? 50%? 50 to 60? Yeah. Well, let's say let's say 60 just to make it easy on the math. So let's say they're 60% to make the playoffs, and then they're 50% to get through. I mean, the chances they're going to make the second round are like... That's 30%, right? Chances you make the first round are 60. Half that is 30 and then they might play Montreal in the second. Like, how far do we want to go here? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's say they're Deep. 50% to beat Montreal. So then that means they have a 15% chance right now. Of getting I don't to think Montreal's that good either. No. They have a 15% chance of getting to the third round. And then they would play Pittsburgh or Washington in the third round. Oh, you're really jumping ahead. And then, so if the 15%. And then they go to the cup final. And then, and then they play. So they probably only have a 5% chance to make the cup final. But that's pretty good for given they were last in the NHL last year. Yeah, it's a pretty big jump. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think you had it. They're on pace for like I think ninety four points, like which is like yeah. a twenty five point jump. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, I I keep meaning to go back and find the biggest jumps in NHL history because I bet you that's up there. Well, I mean, the Oilers. Philly had one where they finished last. What did the Oilers have last year? Seventy. That's right. Yeah, they did have seventy, and they they're going to get ninety that's something true. too. So that's true. That's yeah, the biggest year-over-year improvement, I think the Leafs were only only had the... Or maybe they had the second biggest. There's yeah. been a lot of them, though. Like, Columbus didn't have a good year last year. Look where they are. That's true. Yeah, it's... You know what the hard thing is? Sorry to finish on this point, because Ottawa's, like, a really good example. It's really hard to break down when a team is having a good year, but you don't actually think they're that good. Yeah. And it's really hard to All explain that to people. Yeah. The standings are broken. Like, the standings don't tell you who's actually good. Look at the Leafs' record. Like... If we just pull shootouts out of every team's record, how much better are the Leafs? They're probably way they're they're going to jump up a bunch of spots, right? Like if we just yeah. can, if we well, just... and even overtime is stupid the way it is. Yeah, like you look at like that's not a good indication of so who's good a, or not. So all games that go to overtime, that's like a third of the twenty five thirty well, percent like of the, every game. Right? The LA Kings' record in overtime since it came into being like three on three is it's, just insane, right? So does that mean they're good like they are a good team but you know what i mean like it's, yeah. it just doesn't seem like it's a good indicator of success in the playoffs right that's a lot of the analytics guys just pull it they just take the regulation record and then you end up with like tons of ties well toronto doesn't have a lot of regulation wins actually but they would have lots of ties like they've played in a lot of really... i'm a big fan of ties yeah got no problem with ties well you know what i'm saying right if there was no overtime and yeah. we just turned all of those into ties the Leafs would probably have a pretty good i mean we don't have the numbers so what do we know but yeah all right. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No. That was a long one, though. Yeah. I'm feeling talked out. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back. We can do it next week, right? Like you're are not. You, are you booking your hotels? Traveling? No, not yet. No. I'm not traveling till the playoffs. I don't think. I might go to Buffalo for one of the games. Okay. My family misses me. Yeah. So we'll talk next week, and we'll update the playoff odds next week. So again, the podcast brought to you by Bab Socks. So tune in next week. Go we'll buy back. some Bab Socks. Yeah. They got purple and green and white and blue. Thanks for listening. I ain't happy. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine. Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. 
is coming on I'm happy I'm feeling glad I got sunshine In a bag I'm useless But not for long The future is coming on It's